Hello, and welcome to the 44th episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law, and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. Our guest on this 44th episode is Donald X. Clavin, supervisor of the town of Hempstead, the largest township in the United States. The town of Hempstead employs nearly 2,000 people in 24 departments and provides high-quality programs and services to the town's nearly 770,000 residents. Please check out the show notes for a full list of Supervisor Clavin's credentials and contact information. Please also keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Supervisor Clavin, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. So please tell our listeners about yourself and how you became Town of Hempstead Supervisor. Well, a, a little bit of history of myself. I grew up right here on Long Island, grew up in Valley Stream, uh, went to school in a little college up in Buffalo, Canisius. Uh, returned home and then actually went to Hofstra Law School, practiced uh, law for a number of years in the private sector. Uh, in 2001, decided to run for town of Hempstead receiver of taxes. It was a position I, I loved. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was a beloved picture, uh, position here in the town of Hempstead. I held it uh, through 2019 and last year the, the residents gave me the opportunity uh, to serve as supervisor for them. Supervisor Clavin, what is your vision for the town of Hempstead? Well, you know, since I was... Uh, the receiver of taxes, I was always keen on trying to find ways to save money, and I'd help thousands of people challenge their assessment themselves. And that's a, an idea that I brought to the supervisor's office about finding ways to save the residents money, because that's what it comes down to. Uh, on day one, I had made a campaign uh, pledge to slash $1 million off the budget of the supervisor's office, and I did that. Uh, I just looked at it that these were positions that weren't needed. They were simply patronage positions, uh, and the residents and I cannot afford that. Uh, and we did that on day one. Uh, we've also initiated a, a couple of other uh, cost-saving measures. One with great fanfare was the elimination of take-home cars for commissioners, deputy commissioners, and department heads. I just thought it was an opportunity to relook uh, at what we're providing the staff and the personnel here, and I just felt it was it was a something that the residents want to see a change in. You yes. know, we we pay thousands of dollars in taxes, and I think. It burns a resident when they come in, they see their neighbor pulling in with a with a license plate on the car that says Town of Hempstead. So uh, by leading by example, I you know I turned in uh, my car when I was receiver. I didn't accept the car as a supervisor. Uh, I've asked all my staff to, they will not have any cars. And then I've reached out to the commissioners and I directed them to turn in their vehicles. Uh, and it's a real savings over a five-year period. We estimate a savings of over $600,000 in purchase, in maintenance, and other costs associated with it. So that's my vision, is just finding ways to be efficient and save money. Well, as a town of Hempstead resident myself, I thank you for that. That's a very <laughs> good thing. I want to move to another issue. The town has long dealt with issues of nepotism, especially as town board members and their family members work for the town. How do you plan to counter the impression of preferential treatment and conflict of interest that somewhat exists still at the town? I don't have any family members that, that work in the town. Uh, I grew up in a, in a family that uh, we're f strong believers in public service. My father uh, was a uh, prosecutor in Nassau County. Uh, he was later a judge. Uh, my mother was the very first female trustee in all of Valley Stream. Uh, and my sister, my and I'll tease her, I hope she's listening to this, my much older sister Virginia uh, is a former prosecutor. She's a law clerk. Uh, she was a, uh, a trustee, and now she's the first female village justice of Valley Stream. Uh, you know, I take uh, public service with with high regard. Uh, for the, you know, 
innuendos of, of nepotism, you know, that, that's something that I don't look at. I look for, for capable, quality people. Uh, I've done that in the individual I surround myself with. The first person I hired uh, was an individual. She was a 24-year prosecutor in the Kings County District Attorney's Office. I didn't ask her, you know, uh, who she was related to or a party affiliation or anything like that. I was looking for a quality individual to be my counsel. My chief of staff, uh, Joe Nacella, he's a former federal prosecutor. He's a former town attorney in Oyster Bay. Uh, you know, these are the sort of people that, that I look at qualifications, uh, independence that I want to surround myself with, which I have, and I think the residents have recognized and have really embraced it. Okay. And what is your position on the plan to subdivide the Woodmere Golf Course? Right now, Councilman D'Esposito and Councilman Blakeman have actually reached out to all the villages associated with that development, put together a panel to try and come to if possible, some sort of resolution that will make the town comfortable, as well as the villages. Uh, you have it, a developer that, you know, is is pursuing a very aggressive development plan and i want to see what what the villages in the town we can agree on and, and see if there can be a, a peaceful resolution instead of litigation so you're waiting basically for a recommendation from the town board members well, before you take your position well my, my they were they were clever enough back uh, two months ago to reach out to all the players involved and these are the village officials and formulate a plan of having them all sit down together and and try and work out an agreement that they would all feel comfortable with. And they've done a great job, uh, you know, spearheading that. And I'm going to follow their lead. You know, and that's something that, again, I like to work with people. It's it's very easy. And I always say all the time, it's simple to, f it's really easy to fight with anybody. I could get in a fight with you on this podcast, but I wouldn't do it. Sometimes it's it, it takes a little more work to to get along with people. and But it's something that I, I think I've always brought to the table. My willingness to work with anybody, regardless of party affiliation. There's been a great deal in the news about our town's building department. Deputy Building Commissioner John Novello was indicted on grand larceny charges, and I believe he's been moved to the sanitation department. Why is he still employed by the town? Well, first off, the charges against uh, John uh, Novella were non-governmental. Uh, and, you know, you are innocent until proven guilty. Uh, that's a, that's a key factor that I learned in law school, uh, and everybody deserves their fair 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 day. It's an investigation. There's been no conviction, you know. And if something turns up town related, he'll be held accountable. Everybody should be account held accountable for what they did or did not do. But in this case, uh, you know what? Since it wasn't town related, I think the town board felt more comfortable saying, you know what? Let him have his due day. You know, let's not be the you know convict judge jury all in one sitting uh, and I can appreciate that so we're monitoring the situation and as it advances if something comes up town related it could change but but as of right now since it's not town related mm -hmm. you know the town board feels that you know they he should have an opportunity you know to 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 prove himself and we shouldn't uh, punish him before before a judge or jury does okay well what do you say to those who who say that it gives the appearance of impropriety to have someone who is under indictment for whatever reason as uh, a person with a great deal of responsibility here at this the sanitation department formerly at the building department how do you answer that charge well i don't think he's been given a great deal of responsibility if i remember correctly he was assigned to like supervising of signs. So the, I think the town board last year when this took place, uh, they recognized the need, you know, to, to balance uh, being fair, but also acknowledging you, you can't keep the person in the building department. So they put him in a position where he doesn't have a great oversight on, on any 
uh, heavy hitting uh, building related matters. I believe it is simply uh, just sign locations. Thank you. And prior to your election, there was a great deal in the news about the failure of the Lido Beach vendors, Dover Gourmet Group and Double Eagle Golf to pay rent to the town as is required. I have not read that the back rent and continuing rent have been paid. What efforts are being made by the town to recoup the overdue and current rent, which has not yet been paid? Yeah, right now there is litigation. I think it was actually the litigation that was uh, initiated by the vendor against the town. The town countersued. We have outside counsel. Uh, and we, you know, we don't want to comment on pending litigation. But right now it's in the courts. And you know what? And, and the courts will hopefully drive to the proper resolution. Okay. But you do believe that the town should be paid for that back rent, right? I, I think the taxpayers should, you know what, get every dollar they deserve. And if somebody owes a back rent, they should pay it. Uh, I'm happy the town uh, hired outside, you know, counsel to handle the matter. And like I said, it's in the courts, and that's that's a great for, place for it to be resolved. Okay, I understand that one of your goals is revitalization of downtown areas. How do you see that happening? Well, right now we have a great opportunity here in the town of Hempstead. Let's take, for example, Baldwin. The state has put forth a program where there could be a sort of like an infusion of $10 million in funding to start uh, development in some areas. A lot of it's transit-oriented housing, uh, but also tying in town resources from our planning and economic development to do streetscapes in downtowns, as well as partnering with uh, other governments. You know, as I said, you know, I'm a big believer in working with people, and I've sat down with uh, the county executive, who's who's not of my party. She's of a, a, a different uh, party affiliation. Uh, we've had great conversations on the Grand Avenue uh, concourse concept she has. In addition to that, the county legislator in the area, uh, Deborah Moulet, she and I just had uh, a sit-down breakfast the other day to, to talk about how the county and the town could do some revitalization projects together to be on the same page to give it the same look. In addition, I have three board members who represent Baldwin, uh, Senior Councilwoman Goosby, Councilman Chris Carini, uh, and Councilman D'Esposito. Uh, I try and coordinate with them. But, but I look at it that this is an opportunity. Baldwin's seen better days. You know, I grew up in Valley Stream. We'd go down to Nunley's all the time. They have a lot of empty storefronts. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, but working with the state, the town, and the county together, this is a real chance to see a, a transformation of that area. Um, and I would tell people to, if, if you want to look at the opportunities, look at what they've done out in uh, Patrick. Look at what they've done up in Westbury uh, just with these kind of programs. So it's great when the governments work together because, like I said, you get more done when you work together. And what are your plans for other areas of town of Hempstead? For example, I live in West Hempstead, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of empty storefronts and a lot of work that needs to be done, whether streetscaping or infrastructure on Hempstead Avenue, on Hempstead Turnpike, which runs through Elmont and Franklin Square and West Hempstead and Hempstead. What are your plans for that area? Yeah, it's a little frustrating because, you know, West Hempstead, I mean, I'm in West Hempstead. I'm either at Reister's or I'm driving out to family cleaners. I know the area too well. Uh, Hempstead Turnpike is a state road, so you, you got to partner up with the state. But we have to hold them accountable. In addition, the, the Hempstead Avenue is a great location. Hey, look, you, you look back, you used to have the, the courtesy hotel there. It's an eyesore. It's gone. They built housing and they're maxed out. I, um, I think your, prede your predecessor a few uh, people ago, Kate Murray, Kate was, Murray. was very involved in, she in getting she, the, the courtesy motel out. She, she was. But, you know, that's because the, the residents, you know, banded together, put forth a voice saying, enough, we don't want this here. And Kate worked diligently with all the, the key players to get that resolved. They have the storage facility there. They actually uh, have a, a, a number of, uh, is it going to be a new school opening up? And, and right across the street, you have the old Shoppers Village. 
You know, right. that's a great storefront. Maybe someone's going to have a vision of doing a new, you know, some sort of development there. Next door, there was a ver- it was a vacant lot for 30 years. It used to be the old IHOP. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful new gas station, though. And I hate to put it that way, but they really did put in a top-notch gas station they there. They did. I go it, there myself. I, I go there all the time. I take my kids there. And I said, you know, it's one of these BOLA markets. Yes. And, but I love the fact that they recognize that it just it wasn't going to be gas pumps. They tried to put up amenities of of green and and friendly, you know, uh, you know, looking service center that actually has, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, bolstered that area just with that development alone. And I read in Newsday last week that the town board has approved an incentive to employees to retire with a payout of one percent of their salary for every year worked up to 15 years. What is the reason for that incentive? You know, what I, I look at it that there are some individuals who um, are are more seniored. Uh, employees here uh, a little bit older uh, and if this gives them the opportunity to, to make a decision to to go and enjoy some retirement it's great that we could save a little money on maybe a higher salaried individuals but on the flip side there are a lot of young people who live in the town and there are a lot of young individuals with families that work for the town and this might give younger people the opportunity to progress in their careers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very, very focused on the budget here in the town. You know, residents, they just don't want to pay anymore. And I can understand that. I'm a taxpayer, too. So we recognize it. This was a way to, to maybe get some individuals who were sitting on the fence, you know, kicking it around to think about, you know, here's a great option for, for me to retire, save some money to the town budget, save some money to the taxpayers. But at the same time, we can look at bringing up uh, and hiring younger individuals and giving them the opportunity as the next generation of residents who live here. Okay. And what is the town doing concerning uh, the opioid crisis as well as vaping to yeah. deal with? Uh, there's a storefront actually on Hempstead Avenue in, in West Hempstead. What, what is the town's position on those issues? Yeah. We, well, we actually do a great uh, initiative on educating uh, for overdose prevention opioid. Uh, it was initiated by Councilman D. Esposito. Uh, he partners up actually with all the board members to hold uh, community meetings to show people uh, that if someone ODs, what they can do to revive them and save a life. And like I said, he's partnered with all the board members. And when it comes to vaping, which is an incredibly dangerous uh, that is being targeted at our youth. We are looking at modifying the laws to keep it away from the schools. In addition to that, I always look back that when I was a, when I was a, a child, one of my favorite uh, programs in school was the third track Long Island Railroad. Uh, they come in and tell people the dangers of it. We initiated two weeks ago a brand new program where I partnered up with uh, uh, Councilman Carini, uh, who's a, a former uh, uh, police officer, to go out to the schools and educate the kids on vaping. Uh, the, f- the fact that you can see the targeted ads, which are so reminiscent of cigarette ads 20, 30 years ago, and how they, they're targeting kids with these crazy flavors of bubblegum, but at the same time, nobody truly understands the dangers. We have a doctor on staff who goes out of these forums and explains it to the kids. After our very first vaping program, we actually had a father call us, and the father's in law enforcement, and he told us the story about how his son, uh, who he'd regularly told not to vape, he would kind of dismiss his father. Uh, and after the town's vaping program, where we had to have our own in house doctor go, the doctor was able to explain to these kids that these are chemicals that you're putting inside you. These are substances that, you know what, people do not want in their bodies. And he had such an impact on this child that the kid went home that night and said to his dad, he's like, Dad, I will never vape after hearing what this doctor said. 
Uh, and it was successful. And we're offering that at every school district as well as to any community or any organization that wants it because this is a real attack on the youth. It's targeted at our kids, and we need to step up and, and do something now before it's too late. And today we're, we're recording this episode on February 27th, and you just came in from a press conference where you were discussing changes proposed by the MTA concerning the LIRR. Maybe you want to address those? Yeah, the, the MTA uh, late yesterday announced that they had come up with a, a new initiative uh, that was going to give a discount of 20% to city residents uh, to ride portions of the Long Island Railroad. Well, at the same time, it was going to give a 4% increase to the rates of the Long Island Railroad uh, commuters. Uh, after all said and done, there were projections this could be a 16% revenue cut to the Long Island Railroad. And we stood up saying, where are voices in Albany? You know, Long Island Railroad commuters pay the highest property taxes in New York State uh, in, in comparison to the city who don't pay barely any. Uh, we contribute to the economy in the fact we are shopping in those stores, we're getting coffee, we're eating in the city. And for the, the MTA and the railroad to stand by and allow the fees to go up while giving a discount to the city commuters is a slap in the face. And particularly we called on our, our Long Island Senate delegation to step up and you know represent who they're supposed to, which are the Long Islanders. Because like I said... This is literally a double slap of the commuters. We were in Merrick. Commuters face a $307 a month just commuter you know, card fee. Now you're going to add 4% on top of that. And then for them to know they go into the city and the city residents are getting a 20% discount using the railroad, it's, it's wrong. It's, and, and it has to, it can't go forth. And we're, that's why we had the press conference with our representatives calling them to task, telling them to step up for the residents out here on the island. Okay. And now we're going to segue to a segment we call Only on Long Island, something recent, a development you see in town of Hempstead, and your particular perspective on how this affects our community as well as your goals to improve the issue. I believe you want to speak about the Nassau Hub, yeah. Supervisor? Yeah. The, the Hub is a wonderful opportunity uh, that, uh, you know what, is the future of Long Island. Uh, we have in place a developer who has a vision, uh, who has reached out to different levels of government to, to build consensus. He's also had the wherewithal to reach out to the communities to get their feedback. And we're in the process now, or we're relatively close. Uh, at the end of December, uh, they submitted a petition, asked them some modifications on the project, and the town board is going to do their due diligence, follow all laws uh, that are put in place uh, to do a thorough review of it. Uh, but we want to have success there, and we want to have a real opportunity for, you know, the next generation of residents to have a place to, to live and, you know, a place to go. Uh, and that's his vision. And, and working together, again, with the county and the developer, we're hoping to see some success there. And in addition, it's also working with all the, the, the people who represent the area. Because like I said, I'm the supervisor. Councilwoman Goosby, senior councilwoman, she's a representative there. I think there are two county legislators, the county executive. Uh, so we're all trying to, to work together to bring real success to that piece of property. Okay, and now we're going to move to a segment called Rest in Peace. Someone you know, a Long Island resident, who has recently passed and who made a great contribution to Long Island. Well, I, the one that comes to mind right off my bat is uh, the former county executive, former supervisor, former assembly person, uh, Tom Galata. You know, Tom Galata was a just a known entity on Long Island. Uh, at one point, I think they said in the in the mid '90s, a plurality of residents in Suffolk County thought he was their county executive. He was the Nassau County executive, uh, and he retired back in 2001. Didn't seek re-election, 
Uh, and that might have been the end of his elected presence, but it wasn't the end of his presence. It's amazing. You would go out. He had touched everybody at some point. He had met them somewhere along the way. He was a real dedicated public servant. Uh, but the nice thing was, in his retirement from being an elected official, he would help any elected official who reached out to him. I would call him and I'd say, you have time to talk. I have some thoughts, concerns. I know Democrat officials that would regularly meet with him and seek his counsel because, you know, he had represented the the area uh, for a very long time and he was just somebody that was out there. Everybody met him at a baseball or a, a Girl Scout or at a retirement or at a birthday party. He he truly uh, believed in public service. And when he when he passed last year, uh, the outpouring uh, for the services of not only elected officials but community representatives, people he had just met along the way or helped or, or spoke to. It was amazing when I went to the wake and the funeral that it was just pe everyday people he had met on the street came out because he had such a positive effect on them. They felt the need some 20 years later to show their respect to, to the impact he had. Supervisor Clavin, is there anything else you would like to say to the residents of the town of Hempstead? No, I listen, I just want to thank them. They've given me a, an opportunity here to be the supervisor, and uh, you know, I, I don't take it lightly. And, it, and it's something, you know, I, I was here on January 1st. Uh, we've made a number of promises, and we've kept them from the cutting of the, the budget to the elimination of cars. You know, we're looking at the management of the town. We called for the resignations of the commissioners and deputies. We received that, and my colleagues and I are going through them. We have a couple of initiatives that uh, we're going to be bringing forth in the next month or two. Uh, but, but also, more importantly, the residents have great ideas. If you have an idea or a thought, email us here in the town. Don Clavin at TOH.gov. Uh, you know, we'd like to hear them. You know, I can have all the greatest ideas in the world. If a resident has an idea and we can implement it, we will. Uh, we had one just uh, two weeks ago at a board meeting where somebody brought up an issue um, that we were able to do the research in two weeks and we're going to present the law. Uh, you know what? Don't be shy. That's what government's about. It's supposed to be working with you. Well, that's it for our 44th episode. Thank you so much, Supervisor Donald Clavin, for coming on the podcast today. And thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, please rate us with a review that might start. I just heard on the LA Law Podcast that starting March 1st, 2020, stores on Long Island will implement the new plastic bag ban law. So there will no longer be single use plastic bags available. Specifically in Nassau County, Stop and Shop will charge five cents per paper bag. Trader Joe's, Target, Dollar Tree, and TJ Maxx Marshalls will give customers free paper bags. Suffolk County stores appear to be charging across the board for paper bags, however, so you may want to bring your own reusable bags there. The LI Law Podcast lets you know what's going on on Long Island and is your podcast for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.